see you. If you have your Bibles this evening, we're starting in the book of James, chapter number 5 and verse number 16. The book of James, chapter number 5, I want to begin in the 16th verse tonight, looking at verses 16, 17, and 18. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. The end of verse 16, I believe the Lord would have us uh, see a little phrase there, maybe an entire sentence. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Tonight I want to preach on that thought the, uh, of effectual prayer. What is effectual prayer? The, the word for effectual, fervent is one Greek word. It's in it is the word that means energy. It's where uh, you and I would uh, earnestly pray and seek God's face with, with fervency and with desire and with passion. And so the Lord uh, says if you would pray like that, things could be accomplished. The Bible says that in verse number 17, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was a man that had weaknesses just like us. You Mr. Preacher Darren, he was the prophet of Almighty God. Don't tell me he had weaknesses. Honey, I could take some time tonight and show you many of his weaknesses. Many times, I, we've mentioned one this morning, many times where the man of God had trouble. But the Bible says though he had these earthly weaknesses like we do, he prayed earnestly. He prayed effectually. He prayed fervently that the Lord wouldn't let it rain for three years and six months. The word prayed, prosukamei, it means that God just lifts you up and sets you down before his throne. Elijah prayed like that. And then the Bible says, verse 18, he prayed again, and God sent rain. What a great blessing tonight. I begin to think about the Atlantic Ocean. In the Atlantic Ocean, there is an area of water that is bounded on three sides. It's called the Bermuda Triangle. There are those that want to call it the Devil's Triangle. It is said that uh, airplanes fly into the Bermuda Triangle and they disappear. Ships sail into the Bermuda Triangle and they disappear. This is well documented. Personally, a lot of people think the Bermuda Triangle, the Devil's Triangle, is this great mystery. Well, I believe it's a myth. I don't really believe there's anything to it, but I'm not come tonight to talk about the devil's triangle. I want to talk to you about a divine triangle. I want to see it in the book of Romans chapter 11, verse 36, thinking tonight about this effectual, fervent prayer that you and I are encouraged to offer unto the Lord. This divine triangle is not a myth, it's a miracle. It doesn't cause things to disappear, it calls things into being. And in Romans chapter 11, we'll stay here, Romans chapter 11, verse 36, we see this triangle, and I hope that you would underline it in your Bible. 
The Bible says, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. What he's saying is that everything begins with God. He's the source of all things. All things are accomplished through God. He is the force of all things. Everything returns back to God. He's the course of all things. Of Him, through Him, to Him are all things. How does the Bible start? In the beginning, God. In Revelations, it concludes and says, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. All things come from Him and all things are going to go back to Him. Now, I'll just look this little thing up about creation. You, you could look at verse 36 and you could talk about creation. You could talk about redemption or salvation. Uh, you could talk about prayer. That's what we're going to do tonight. You could talk about a lot of things. There's a man by the name of Sir Fred Hull of the British Academy of Science. He's a leading mathematician and an astronomer. He said, we must admit that the probability of life arising by chance, that is evolution, is the same probability of throwing a six on dice five million consecutive times. He goes on to say, let's be scientifically honest with ourselves. The probability of having life arise to greater and greater complexity in organization by chance is the same probability of having a tornado tear through a junkyard and from the other end assemble a Boeing 747. Just cannot happen. Random and impersonal chance does not create complexity. It does not create design. You and I are created, amen, by a designer God. All things are of Him, through Him, to Him. He made you of Him, through Him, to Him. Now we're going to think about this tonight in prayer. I want us to see, first of all, when I see that little that little uh, phrase, of him, I think about the origin of prayer. Did you realize that the origin prayer is rooted in the purpose of Almighty God? The prayer that gets to heaven, you want to pray and get your prayer to heaven? I'm going to tell you where it starts. It starts in heaven. You see, prayer is not getting your will done in heaven. Prayer is getting God's will done on earth. It's getting heaven's will accomplished here. It's, it's, it is this. God is sovereign. We're sinful. There's no way that prayer will ever work if it doesn't begin with God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Have you ever thought about the fact why do we need to pray? You ever thought about that? Preacher, why do we need to pray? If God knows all things, why do we need to pray? Prayer is a great mystery. Why is it that we pray? Why tell God about something if he already knows? Why, right? Why do we ask God to do what he already knows to do? If prayer starts in the, the mind and the heart of Almighty God, I mean, think about it. Why does God want us to pray if he knows all things? Well, I think there's some reasons here tonight we need to examine. I think, first of all, prayer is a privilege. 
Now, you're in Romans 11. Just turn to the right one book. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Prayer is a privilege. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to see verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. When we're praying, we are laboring together with God. Now, I'm going to use Luke as an example. He's not here, so this is a good time to talk about him. Bless his heart. Luke and I work together, and it's a blessing. We, we laugh together. We, we play together. We, we, we pray together. We, we talk. We, we sit down at lunch. It's a privilege for me to have the opportunity to work with my young son, Luke. And to be honest with you, working with Luke, my son, I've got to know him even better. And you know what? He's got to know his daddy better because we work together. We know how we operate when stress gets on. What a privilege it is to work with my son. Likewise, God works with his children. You may say, preacher, I don't think it's fair you get to work with your son. I wish I got to work with my son. Well, God works with his children. And it's a privilege to get to work with our father. And as we get to know him and we get to pray and seek his face, we know him better. He can't know us better. He already knows everything about us that there is. But it's amazing how we can work together because the prayer that gets to heaven starts in heaven. And God has us working together. My cousin Keith, uh, is a, he's a Gideon. Uh, he is a doctor. He is a pilot. And I've gone fly, flying with him here. Uh, many times, and one time he looked over at me and said, Darren, you want to fly the plane? I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. I said, sure, I'll be glad to. I took the controls, and guess what? I flew a plane. Now, the truth of the matter is, I wasn't really flying it. He was. I just kind of thought I was. I was partnering with him. I was privileged to be flying the plane along with him. May I say it like this? Uh, if it weren't for the fact he was there, I'd be a pilot all right. I'd pilot in the field. <laughs> That's what I'd do, amen. And that plane would be down. I, Keith was there to override my errors, to override my mistakes. Yet there was flying the aircraft. I couldn't do it without him, but he could do it without me. And the same thing is true of God, amen. God says, I'm going to let you help me fly this thing. Let's me come in and preach to y'all. Let me tell you. Did you know that a raven came to feed Elijah every day, twice a day, with flesh and with bread? And it wasn't raw flesh, it was cooked. And with bread, cat head biscuits, I think. And there's a song I've heard called Ravens Still Come. Did you know what a raven is? A raven is a dirty bird. He's a scavenger bird, right? He's a dirty bird, amen? And here's a dirty bird bringing a clean message to the man of God. You're seeing it again tonight. Here I stand. Ravens still come. I'm a dirty bird, but God gives me the message to come and preach to God's people. I'm unworthy. I'm unclean. I'm sinful flesh. That's all I am. But he still gives me his clean message to come feed his people with. Isn't that incredible? Amen. And we got bread this morning and flesh. And we come back and get bread and flesh again tonight from the Word of God. 
Ain't God good? You see, prayer is a privilege because it gets us working together with God. We become laborers together with God. We get burdened about things that God is working on. Not only just the privilege of it, but there's a process. Do you know that prayer bonds your heart to God? Could God do it without our praying? But you know what I found out? He won't do it without we pray. We have not because we ask not. What about that? How many of us, if we didn't pray, would ever even think about God? Just being honest. God wants us not to take our blessings for granted. He wants us to be perpetually dependent upon Him. I want to say two things here about prayer real quick. Brother Mike Hodge had gone to preach in a revival meeting and they had a prayer room. And Brother Mike was in the prayer room every night. And come Thursday night, he finally looked at the, some of the men in the church and says, why does your preacher never come to the prayer room? Why is he always out there shaking hands and he ought to be in here praying with us? And they said, we don't know. He never comes to the prayer room. And he says, well, bless God, I think I'm just going to go ask him. And so he put his Bible up underneath his arm and he tore out of the prayer room and went to talk to the pastor. The pastor was on the front steps of the, of the church welcoming people in. He said, son, why don't you come to the prayer room and pray with us? He said, oh, man, you really think your praying's going to make any difference? God already has this thing worked out. God don't need our help. I'm just here to welcome people to the house of God and God's going to take it all and do it all from there. He said, I guess you up there preaching think you make a difference too. It's not your preaching, not your praying, oh man, that makes a difference. You see, he was a Calvinist, that boy was. And he believed that God just bonks people on the head and that's the way that it is. And if you're a Calvinist, I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, but you can apologize to me later. I'm just telling you that God gives every one of us free will to choose, make a decision about the Lord Jesus Christ or not. And Brother Max says, thank you, son, put his Bible back under his arm, took off back to the prayer room, and he said, you've got an infidel for a pastor, and until you get rid of him, I'm leaving. And that night he left, and it was time for preaching, and that preacher got up and said, uh, uh, mm, uh, where, uh, mm, uh, where's Brother Mac? And they said, listen, if God's got it all figured out, you preach. He couldn't. They voted him out that night and they called Brother Mac back and 25 people got saved within about a week's time. I just want to tell you, prayer makes a difference. We need to be depending upon God. Prayer is a, second of all, it's a process. My daughter, Shelby, she was living at home with us still. She was ready to go to college. She lived at the, the house all weekend. She needed gas for her little Mustang. I, I said to her, I said, bye, baby girl. I knew she needed gas. I knew she needed it. I said, bye, baby girl, have a good day. She said, oh, Dad, I love you. She come and hugged me. I hugged her back. She said, you're the best daddy in the world. I said, you're the best daughter in the world. I knew she needed money, but she wouldn't ask me. She wouldn't humble herself. So she left. I heard her. She went out the door. The door shut. I heard a little car start. Just directly, she'd come back in. I said, you forget something? She said, I sure did, Dad. I forgot one of my books. I went, Okay, go back there and get it. She come back. Well, I'm just saying bye, Dad. I said, I love you, honey. Hope you have a great day. She started to go back out the door again, and she stopped, and she said, Dad, the truth of the matter is I'm out of gas, and I really need about 20 bucks. Now, I knew she needed it. Am I a bad daddy? Because I made her. See, I wanted her to ask before I gave it to her so she could appreciate the blessings. I'm telling you, God knows what you need, but if he just gives you everything you need and everything you just give, 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 just like that, you won't appreciate 
who he is. You'll be thankful for the blessing, not thankful for the blesser. Amen. Now, prayer binds us. Prayer bonds us to God. Then I thought about the preparing. Do you realize, I'm going to ask this question. Have you ever prayed and not gotten your prayers answered? Have you ever, have you ever had prayers that when they remain unanswered, you started looking around your life and said, something must be wrong in my life, or is there something wrong in my life that my prayer is still unanswered? Do y'all do that? Am I out of fellowship with God? To have unrepented of sin. The Bible says, Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There's a young man who went to this girl and he said, uh, I want to ask you out on a date. I really like you. Think you're really cute. Would you go out with me? She said, no. He left. He thought, why? Why won't she go out with me? Have I got bad breath? Is there dirt under my fingernails? Did I not comb my hair? Do I smell like an ape? Do I, do I need to take a bath? Do I need to clean up? And he started examining himself. He says, are my clothes mismatched? And so we went home, he showered and shaved and started cleaning up his life. And finally, after a while, he went back and says, I want to ask you again, are you willing to go out with me? I'd really like you. I'd like to go out with you sometime. Would you go out with me? And she says, yes. You see, that's the way it is with God. God is oftentimes working in our lives. And sometimes our prayer requests remain unanswered to get us to understand who the blessings come from to get us to understand we just don't get our way like a rebellious child. We have some standards in the word of God that we need to meet up to. There needs to be some cleanliness in our lives, some faithfulness and some obedience in our lives before God just answers every prayer request we have. You see, prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a process. Prayer is preparing us, amen. Now, that's just the way that it is. God's working on you. Now, I want to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I want to look in verse number 16. John 15, verse 16. Jesus' words. He says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. You ask in my name, I'll do it. But who are you seeking? God the Father. You're going to ask God the Father for whatever it is that you need. Prayer originates. Prayer starts with the Lord. When he says my name, what he's saying is I'm going to sign the purchase order. When I worked a public job, we had to have the boss man sign the purchase order before we could order the things that we need. We didn't just have a blank check to get whatever we wanted. The same thing is with God. If you need to pray about something, you need to put amen in Jesus' name. You need to ask in Jesus' name on every prayer request that you make. You need to know where the blessings are coming from. 
I remember in the book of Luke, chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says the disciples have toiled all night fishing. The Lord came to them and says, have ye any meat? And they said, we've toiled all night and we've taken nothing. He said, cast the net on the right side. Didn't you just hear us? We've toiled all night and we've taken nothing. You see, if it begins with we, the result is nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll cast on the right side. And when they let down the net, there is a great gathering of fishes in that net. You see, we were doing it in Jesus' name. It made the difference. It accomplished what we were asking. Amen. So many times we're trying to bend God's will into our will. Prayer is not bending God's will to your will. Prayer is finding the will of God and getting in it. A little boy one time, uh, they heard him saying, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. He was praying, Tokyo, Tokyo. Somebody said, son, what on earth are you praying? He said, I just took a geography test, and I wrote down that Tokyo was the capital of England, and I'm hoping God will make it the capital of England before she take grades my test. <laughs> That's the way you pray. You try to bend God's will to your will to get you out of the test and get you a good grade. When the truth of the matter is you should have studied and asked him to help you before you started the test. Amen. I'm just going to say prayer is not a name it and claim it. Amen. Now, we've talked about the origin of prayer. Prayer is of him. Now, guess what else? It's through him. Second of all, prayer originates. No, prayer. There's an operation of prayer. It's through him. It originates with him and the operation. So here, we've got a triangle. It's of him and it's through him. Now, we get to think about this. Do you know about your desire to pray? Have you, have you ever had a problem like I do that my flesh doesn't want to pray? Ever since the, the night I surrendered to preach, I've got on my knees to pray before I went to bed at night. And many times during the day, going to a, an altar, a, a specific place, a closet, a specific place to, to pray. And uh, unless I've been in the hospital, I've been uh, and, and, and incapacitated. I've every single night got on my knees at my bedside before I get into bed. But there have been times... Oh, man, my back was hurting so bad. It was all I could do was to get down there, right? And I didn't know how I was going to get back up. And I didn't seem to stay there too long because it hurt to get in this position as well. You see, my body, my flesh, didn't want to pray. Now, my flesh is more than just my body. My flesh is my rebellious, stubborn will. And my will, my rebellious nature doesn't always want to pray. You're the pastor of the church. I'm just being honest. If you want to cast me out aside, that'll be okay. I'll take it and understand. But the next guy you get is going to be the same way because you do it too. Amen. Preacher Darren, I'm not that way. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Verse number 11. Romans chapter 3. Verse number 11, there is none that understandeth, <laughs> there is none that seeketh after God. Oh, preacher, dear, I do. Not in your flesh. 
You see, the prayer that goes to heaven starts with God. He comes to you and gives you that desire to pray. And when you pray, you're praying through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. While you're close, Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8, look at verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Have you ever come to church in the flesh? Have you ever tried to worship in the flesh? He said, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. The same thing is true when you pray. You're not going to be very successful in your prayer life if you're praying in the flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. You're not going to pray an effectual, fervent prayer in the flesh. But God gives you a desire to pray and He excites you and He encourages you and causes that fever pitch to come to get you excited to begin to pray. That's what gets you crying, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Preacher Darren, when, you, when I don't have a desire to pray, what does that mean? That means you're not walking in the Spirit. Amen? He gives you a desire. Not only does He give you a desire, He gives you direction. I mean, how do you know what to ask for? You're here in Romans chapter number 8. Look with me in verse 26. You don't even know how to, what to pray for, how to ask as you should. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't always have the direction we need to pray. We pray, oh, I need to pray for Brother Bobby. But I might not know exactly what Bobby needs. But the Holy Ghost does. When I pray and mention his name, the Holy Ghost takes that and says, he's praying for Bobby and here's what he needs. Amen. Now I'm thinking in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Preacher, there's too much scripture turning. Not yet. Matthew chapter 6. I want to look at verse number 8. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 8. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Watch this. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. God knows what you need before you pray. God knows what you need. Have you ever asked for things you didn't need? You thought that was the will of God. You thought that was what you needed. Man, you was praying for it. Oh, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When was the last time you came to the altar to thank God for unanswered prayers? I hope you young people are listening to me. Billy Graham's wife, Miss Ruth, she said, I thank God for unanswered prayers. She said, had God answered my prayers, I'd married the wrong man three times. Three different men in her life she had prayed about. God, I believe this is the one. Help me to marry him. God, work it all out. She met the fourth man, and it was Billy Graham. 
Have you ever, what, preacher Derek? You think you know what you need? You think you know what the church needs? You think you know what so-and-so needs? But honey, the truth of the matter is, you don't know what you need. You don't know what they need. You're lucky to even be saved. You're blessed to even be saved, amen, if the truth be the truth, amen. But the Father knows what we need, and the Spirit with groanings which cannot be uttered, He maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So sometimes we ask for things we already have. Oh, God, would you give us the money? When God's got the money in your pocket, you just want God to send somebody else. I didn't get an amen in the house. But it's the truth. God, would you help me? Lord, would you give me? I'm telling you, you've already got what you need. And sometimes we need to ask God to help us in other areas of our life. Pastor Darren, why doesn't God direct my life more than he does right now? I need direction. I was thinking about that this afternoon, heavy. There's much in this Bible tonight that we know about, and there's a lot that we don't know about. But I thought about what Jesus said in John chapter 5. Watch this. Watch this. John chapter 5. Please turn there if you have your Bible. John chapter 5. Don't cut me off yet. Now this is what Jesus said while he's walking on this earth. Look at what he said in John chapter 5, verse number 19. This is huge. And man, it leapt off the page to me this afternoon and I inserted it in the the message. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son, capital S, that's Jesus, the Son can do nothing of himself. What, what, what? God incarnate, God in human flesh just said, I can't do anything of myself. But what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, These also doeth the Son likewise. Here's what Jesus just said. He said, I can do nothing of myself, but I stay tuned into heaven. And whatever I see and whatever I hear, that's what I say and that's what I do. Are you that way? Do you say, or do you stay tuned into TikTok? and Facebook, and rap, and country, and what are you tuned into? What what is your focus? (sighs) Don't you get off my music, preacher Darren, you're going to upset me. What are you tuned into? Because what you see and what you hear is what you do. Are you spending time with the Father? Seeing what the Father does. Prayer starts in heaven, amen. And it comes down. It's of Him and it's through Him. Praise God for it. Now, I'm going to move off this thought. I want us to see, last of all, the object of prayer. It's of Him, it's through Him, and it's back to Him. The object of prayer results in praise to God. You're in John. Look at chapter 14. John 14, verse 13. John 14, verse 13. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to hear selfish prayers. God is in the business of bringing 
glory not to you, but to himself. When you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Of him, through him, to him. Prayer brings glory to God the Father. Now, let's talk about this. Praise and thanksgiving. What a blessing they are because they result. They result in praise, bringing glory back to God. You know what your prayer life does? You know what you pray for most of the time? When you're praying, oftentimes you don't take time to praise him while you're praying. You're praying, God, take the sickness away. God, take the financial need away. God, take something away. Do y'all pray prayers like that? You see, prayer is always praying to take something away. But praise is something that is there forever. He's worthy. That's praising him. He's deserving of glory. He's deserving of praise. He's deserving of honor. It goes, praise goes to the presence of God and it stays there forever. I would encourage you to begin your prayer life by calling on the Father and by praising him and then start laying out your needs before him. Amen. After you've confessed your sins. When I pray, I start bragging on him. It's easy to do. And then I start confessing my sins and asking him to forgive me. Then I can start praying about whatever petition, whatever needs are there. And I conclude by praising him again. And when you praise him, the Father is glorified in the Son because it's of him, it's through him, and it's to him. What does it mean, Preacher Darren, that, that you ask in his name and you pray whatever you want and he sanctifies it and he gives it to you? No, no. When you pray in his name, it's not just only a purchase order, but it's his, his approval. Do you have the approval of God on your prayer life? Oftentimes at school, uh, our, our teachers, I'll ask them, uh, as the principal, I'll say, now listen, before you send letters home to your students, I want you to run it by me so I can approve it. I, I don't want some just out there, some... some uh, Body out there on their own doing something that's not really a function of what the church or what the school is about. Preacher Darren, it's being too controlling. No, it's about having approval. And my staff knows that. Every one of them knows that. If you, you want to send a letter home, come and ask me for approval. So I put my name on it. Amen. So when you pray and you're asking in Jesus' name, you're asking for his approval. Do you have God's approval on your prayer life? There's another thing. What about his authority? He gives his authority. When it goes before God, it's in Jesus' name. That's his authority. What about his acclaim? Is it for his glory? You don't just rattle off in Jesus' name if you're not praying for his glory to be done. Well, preacher Dan, but it'd be good for me. Well, let's just let's put the triangle up again. It's of him, through him, and to him. Prayer is all about him. It originates with him. It operates with him, and he is the object of our prayer. It is to him. Amen. We're asking in Jesus' precious name. Now, I thought about this, and we're done. The prayer that goes right back to him is prayer that brings him glory. If you'll turn to Ephesians 3, and I'm done right here, I promise. Ephesians 3.20, this is it, last thing. And I'm going to give you, before I read this, I'm going to give you my definition of prayer. Prayer is the Holy Ghost finding the desire 
in the heart of God, putting that desire into your heart, sending it back to heaven through the power of the cross in Jesus' name. Of him, through him, to him. My Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What power is working in you? Preacher Darren, it's Jesus. You're right, it's the Holy Ghost that lives inside you right now. And honey, he can do more than you pray. You know how much you can ask for? My mom and daddy could tell you a lot about me. I ask for a lot. Brother Charlie, he asked for a lot. Amen. Everybody around here say, glory to God, that's exactly the truth. Charlie will ask for a lot, but God can do more than you ask. He can do, Charlie, he can do more than you can think. Charlie can think. I'm telling you, he's a big thinker. He's always got ideas. Well, what if we did this and we do? God can even do better than Charlie can ask, and he can do better than Charlie can think. And the reason I pick on Charlie is because I do stuff like that myself. I ask a lot, and I think a lot. But he's able to do exceeding abundantly. It's immeasurable how much greater he can do than what I ask. And the reason he does it, he says it's of, of him, it's through him, and it's to him. When Elijah began to pray and seek God's face, that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, a man filled with all kinds of human weaknesses. He prayed of God, through God, and it brought glory back to God. And when he prayed again, that God would now change the course and send rains, it was of God, through God, and to God. And it brought him glory again when the rains came down. I remember sitting on the front porch with my grandpa at the church and men would get out of their vehicles, out of their trucks, and they'd come walking across the, the, the parking lot with their old bib overalls. Some of y'all can remember them days. All of them farmers. None of them had public jobs. All farmers had their Bibles, big old thick Bible up underneath the arm. Come walking up through there with their bib overalls. This is what they'd be walking like. Glory to God, you see that rain we got? Woo, God's good, ain't he? Thank you, Lord, for the rain. And I'd sit there and go, what? And in another one, I'm going to start praising God for a crop or, and, and praising God for a healing that happened and praising God for somebody. And man, they had more church in the parking lot than the average church has worship in the church house. When was the last time you got in the parking lot at Bethlehem here? Somebody said, "Woo, hallelujah. God is good. He heard my prayer and he answered. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. And if you ask according to my name, I'll do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. No, that's not really how we do anymore. We just come walking in. Time to go make the donuts. Guess Seth will ask us to go sing in the choir. Guess I'll go up there. Lend my voice. I don't know what they'd do without me. I'll get here and I'll sing. Lord, you've been so good. 
just to make it look good, every now and then you'll go. Go sit back down. God paid you $600 or $800 on your job last week, ever what it was. And you'll throw in a 20. And rather than tithe, you'll tip him. And the preacher preaching, you'll just kind of sit there. It's, it's the way it looks when I preach. getting ready to close. Amen, amen, amen. You know why we don't want to pray anymore? We're in the flesh too much. You know why we're not praising him like we should? We're in the flesh too much. And Paul said, oh, wicked man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But I thank my God. <laughs> Amen. He's the one that energizes me and gives me the desire and the direction to begin to seek his face and to pray that God would make a change in people's lives. And I'm hearing about 40 people saved amongst the Mars Hill football team and 24 saved at school here last week. God's still answering prayer. He's still working. He's still moving. Don't quit now. It's time to praise him. And seek his face. Amen. Seth, you come play. Maybe there's somebody. You stand to your feet. Maybe there's somebody said, Preacher, I'm encouraged to pray tonight. I really need to get not older. I've been encouraged to pray. I've been encouraged to pray. Preacher, I was about ready to give up on such and such. But I'm encouraged to pray. I've got some things I want to ask him for. Honey, I've got some things I want to ask him for. And he doesn't get tired of me asking. He's a good, good father. I need his help tonight. I desire his direction. I need his guidance. I want his instruction. And it's a privilege working. He, God of all glory, working with me. That we're labors together with him. What a blessing. Father, tonight as we bow our head to pray, Lord, we confess to you our unworthiness. Lord, it's not just a word, it's the truth. We're unworthy. Who are we to even be saved? Who are we to be your child? Who are we to identify ourselves with your holiness? God, we are wicked and flesh and no good. None of us seeketh after God except you originate that desire, that purpose to pray. And you get us involved, Father, in what you're doing. <laughs> and you can do it without us, but you want to involve us so much that we have not because we ask not. Oh my, how many things right now do I struggle with because I won't pray and ask you for it. Ooh. God, I pray for souls to be saved. God, I pray for the church to be strengthened and mature and grow in the grace of God. Father, I pray about missions reaching across the world. I pray about a church that needs to be triumphant. Lord, I pray that God, you touch us. God, there's a debt that hangs over us. 
Help us with it, God. And Lord, take us even to greater projects for the glory of God. Father, for what we do, we're doing it for you. Not for ourselves, but for your glory. Lord, I pray for healing for my family. God, I pray for help, for encouragement, for wisdom. (laughs) Oh, God, open to us the treasures of the Word of God and speak to our hearts and teach us, Lord, how we might walk with you. Father Knight, would you be pleased to help us? We're asking these favors in Jesus' name. Not just attaching his name to my wants, but praying, seeking your approval, your authority, for your acclaim and glory. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.